Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey guys, we're on the monorail, passing by the Grand Floridian. You know, I have always wanted to stay here. You're in the minority, it's not that popular. Jeez, I can't imagine why. It's because only doctors have conventions or income to justify going. And a lot of people think the hotel feels really old compared to the rest of the monorail loop. But it's the newest hotel by 17 years, and you could learn CPR there. What's better than that? No, it's, no, it's not. It's not that new. <sighs> I mean, I, I come for the character breakfast. Wait, they do those here? Hey, howdy, hey, welcome to episode 225 of the Diz His Podcast. I'm RJ, your host, and I am joined today by Chris. Hello. And today, we're going to be giving you the his on the Grand Floridian. We are joined today as well by a special guest all the way from Sandpiper Vacations. We have Nick joining us. Nick, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I feel like I should also take a quick moment to introduce myself here. My name's RJ. I'm one of the folks who's been helping to put some of the histories together, and I've been helping to expand the uh, Instagram page for the Diz His podcast. I was asked to come on the show last minute. You're probably noticing that Alex isn't here. There were some tech issues, so we just did a quick host switch before starting up this episode. Now, we do record live for our goof troop. You can visit our social media at Diz His Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. In all of our bios on social media, you can find our link tree, which has all of our links. So if you want to join our Patreon, you can go ahead and head there. Become part of the fun, part of the action. Now, follow us and like if you enjoy our posts. And even if you don't enjoy our posts, give us a like. I'm sure there's going to be a post that comes around that you're going to want to see at some point. We also have a YouTube channel that Classic Ryan, who you heard last week, is running. That is Diz His Pod. He's got some mini histories coming up. Highly, highly recommend those. And... We have monthly giveaways, so go to our Patreon. You can find the link on the Diz His Pod Facebook page. You can join the Goof Troop for as little as how much, Chris? $2 a month, RJ. $2 a month. $2 a month. Doesn't get any better than that. And, of course, if you want merch, we have many options at tpublic.com. I hit all the hit every single point. Your first time hosting, you hit every single point, RJ. I'm uh, pretty impressed. It's like you were reading off a script or something. It's incredible. I, uh, it was it was like phot photographic memory. You did forget. Uh, actually, you didn't forget because this is my part. <laughs> if you want to send us an email, you can send that over at dizhispod at gmail.com. Literally tell us anything. We are desperate for your emails. Uh, I don't care if you're telling us you're, what you're eating for breakfast, what you're eating for lunch or dinner. Uh, also, please, please, please give us five star reviews if we've earned it on um, on Patreon, not Patreon, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, uh, look out for our Spotify episodes where we're going to be asking you weekly questions and polls. Really fun way to interact with us, and we can uh, we'll give you shout outs on the show if you uh, if you answer those. Awesome! Thank you so much, Chris. Now I feel like we've been waiting too long after introducing Nick to officially bring him into the fold. So Nick, what can you tell us about Sandpiper Vacation before we get into our history today? Yeah, so um, as you may know, we are one of the sponsors of this podcast. Been sponsoring it for what like a year and a half now, I think. And yeah, for um, so we are a full service travel agency. We specialize in Disney, obviously. So huge Disney nerds, and we'll talk about that later on in the show as well too. About my recent trip to Walt Disney World and Disneyland. Um, so yeah, thanks for having us back again. Yeah. Awesome to have you on the show. It's exciting. I so rarely get to record with you. So 
Always a pleasure to record along with you, Nick. Yeah. Now, we're going to be talking, as I mentioned, about the history of the Grand Floridian today. And the Grand Floridian is, weird enough to say, the newest of the three monorail resorts that is located directly outside of the Magic Kingdom. It's themed to a luxurious Victorian-era hotel, and it's nestled between the Polynesian Village Resort and the Magic Kingdom. Plus, it boasts some of the most extravagant and expensive rooms, restaurants, and shopping options on Walt Disney World property. It's perhaps one of the best-known resorts there, which for me is one of the reasons that it's so weird that it's the newest of those three contemporary Polynesian and Grand Floridian, because I feel like it's so iconic. What about you guys? Have you been to Grand Floridian? Any great experiences that you've had there? Anything of that nature? Nick, I'm going to get kick this over to you because uh, I know you frequent Disney World more than me. I actually stayed there um, two years ago was the last time that I stayed there, but I visited previously during the holidays for the gingerbread house and everything. Um, but it was pre um, refurbishments. They just recently went through some refurbishments, which I don't know if we'll get into in the history or not, but um, it's um, definitely an iconic resort that we've all known and seen. It's been on a lot of TV shows, I know. So excited to learn more about the history of it because I, like you said, I didn't even realize it was the last of the, th the three monorail resorts. So. It was it's like one of those things that we just like assume was always there. Yeah. It's, it's crazy yeah. to think that it was the newest. Mm -hmm. The um, my favorite thing about the Grand Floridian, while never being able to actually see it, I always look forward to I say this guy's name all the time, paging Mr. Morrow on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I always look forward to his Christmas videos when he goes and visits the Grand Floridian to see that giant christmas tree in the lobby even he grabs like a coffee or something to drink and he sits up on one of the balconies to go just just look at the tree that's one of the the coolest things and if i ever had a chance i would definitely uh go check that out down there if i was down there around the holidays just looks awesome yeah grand floridian's probably one of the top three resorts to see around the holidays it's spectacular i mean yeah. it's a beautiful resort even not around the holidays from the ambience to the music loop but as both of y'all mentioned the Christmas theming there with that whole Victorian Christmas ideal. It's really, really oh, spectacular. Yeah. Definitely. Let's get into the his on the Grand Floridian. When Walt formed his dream for Project X, later renamed the Florida Project in the 1960s, he had the idea to build luxury hotels and resorts around the Magic Kingdom Park, specifically to line the shores of the Seven Seas Lagoon with places for families to stay while visiting the resort. As far back as 1967, there was published documentation of a timeline for the contemporary and Polynesian resorts to open along with Walt Disney World in 1971 with three more to be opened within the following five years. These three included a Persian resort, a Venetian resort, and a Thai resort. But in 1972, Disney announced the cancellation of their next three resorts due to the energy crisis and oil shortage. The Thai resort was so close to being constructed that Disney had already cleared out the land for construction and even named a road Asian Way. The Asian-inspired resort was planned to have 600 rooms, including suites. It would have also featured a 160-foot tower with high ceilings, luxurious statues, and furnishing. For almost 20 years, the land lay unused and was an eyesore to monorail riders. 
By the time the mid-80s came around, the economy had rebounded, and Disney decided that new resorts were needed. The company decided on two ideas, namely the Mediterranean Resort and the Grand Floridian. While planning the Grand Floridian, Imagineers ironically used ideas and designs from luxurious hotels such as Hotel Del Coronado in California, Mount Washington Resort in New Hampshire, and Mackinac Island's Grand Hotel in Michigan, but not any from Florida. These three hotels would serve as the main inspiration behind the ultimate resort's exterior. Imagineers described it as a journey back to the turn of the century, to another time and another place. Initial plans for the Grand Floridian included the Addison Misner Room, in honor of an architect behind the classic Palm Beach style of architecture popular in the Roaring Twenties. The brand new Disney Development Company, or the DDC, was assigned the Grand Floridian Project, which involved designing and constructing the hotel. This would mark the first time the DDC worked on a project as opposed to Walt Disney Imagineering. Jerry Allison was the design principal on the team and helped to spearhead a vision document that included the preliminary research into the nationwide luxury resorts that had been performed by Imagineers early in the process, as well as studies of Victorian architecture throughout the United States. The team performed extensive research into these styles and added Clearwater, Florida's Bellevue Biltmore to their list of architectural inspirations to ensure that the Grand Floridian would have some Florida character to it. The Biltmore would help to influence the design of the interior of the resort's main building. Ultimately, this vision document outlined a Victorian-era resort that paid homage to the Floridian beach resorts of the late 1800s and early 1900s. So a couple things here. First of all, I one of the things that popped out to me personally was the Mount Washington Resort. Mm -hmm. That didn't know this was a thing, but I went to Mount Washington. I mean, we drove up Mount Washington, highest peak, I think, on the East Coast, mm -hmm. uh, Mountain in New Hampshire. So I, I, I was interested in that. So I look it up. And if anybody wants to Google Mount Washington Resort, listening to this at home, it looks like the Grand Floridian. Like it's hmm. almost identical. Like if you didn't stare at the two, you would have thought it was the same exact hotel. It's got the red roofs, the, 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 you know, pure white, um, front. It, it's incredible. I, it's, I don't even know if I would say drew inspiration. It looks like a cookie cutter. It'll say they just copy and pasted it down in Florida. It's pretty remarkable. Mm -hmm. Now, secondly, uh, Nick, I wanted to ask you, when you book vacations for people in Disney World, do you find yourself booking more um, like budget resorts or do you find people like a lot of people booking like a, a hotel like the Grand Floridian? And is it a different like uh, clientele that wants to do that families or, yeah, or single it's, people? It's a whole it's a whole kind of different clientele with it. Mm -hmm. Um a lot of my clients tend to book more of the moderate to deluxe resorts, but okay. Grand Floridian is honestly one of the last ones that people really are really interested in. Um, I think part of it is when I stayed there, I got a very stuffy kind of feeling in there. It's just very, it was very, very dated as well too. Oh. So it just went through a refurbishment over the last um, probably two years now. The rooms um, got rethemed, so be Mary Poppins. But yeah, I mean, we were just talking in one of my group chats the other day, too, about there's a picture on our travel agent page of one of the rooms, and it looks like it's from the 80s still. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. So it's it's weird that it's one of the last resorts to kind of get the refurbishments, because a lot of them have gone through refurbishments over the years and the rooms and everything. And um, yeah, it just it, it feels a little bit stuffy. The white, plain white color, I think it's not very... 
mm-hmm. attractive to a Disney person. That's Disney's all about color and everything. Yeah, so that's yeah. what draws draws people to the art of animation and pop century and stuff like that. So um, I've been most of my clients tend to do stay if they want a deluxe resort. Animal Kingdom Lodge um, is a big one I push people to as well as contemporary. Um, Polynesian's a great one, but unfortunately, Polynesian's the first one to always sell out. Ah, uh, I see. Polynesian always just reminds you of like a, just a fun place to stay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like party all the time, I, and well, and everybody with Polynesian, like Polynesian, it gives people that kind of Hawaiian culture that people want to experience, but not go to pay the price to go to Hawaii. So it gives you more of a feeling that you're somewhere else versus Grand Floridian. Um, like I said, it looks like the Mount Washington Resort. Yeah. Don't even know where Mount Washington is. So. <laughs> and it is crazy to me because I think the way that you describe it is how most people view the Grand Floridian. Very stuffy. It's And yet it's supposed to be themed around the Floridian Beach Resorts of the late 1800s, early 1900s. That was considered to be the more relaxed, casual atmosphere back then. And now looking at it from modern times, we see it as this, you know, upper class, stuffy, not relaxed resort you walk in with t-shirts and shorts on and you feel like you're out of place so i feel like it's really interesting seeing that difference yeah and it's like when you go to disney you go there wearing a bright t-shirt that says i'm at disney basically or my most expensive day ever type shirts and when you walk in there a lot of the restaurants are actually very high-end signature restaurants that do have dress codes which no other disney restaurants typically have a dress code so yeah that's right shout out to monsieur paul in france i think that's the only one i other other one i can think of that's not grand Floridian. it's hard to enforce a dress code in my opinion in a a place where you're going on vacation to do a lot of walking and stuff like that like you know what i mean like it's weird to have a um restaurants with dress codes in my opinion now grand floridian I know what my opinion on this is. I would never stay at Grand Floridian. That's just not what I want to do. I want to stay at an art of animation. I want to, I want to, you know, for, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to forget that I'm in Disney. Mm-hmm. But RJ, I know you have a totally different vision of you staying at Disney. So is Grand Floridian on your list of places that you'd want to stay? Grand Flo is kind of my dream resort, really? honestly, because it's, it's, as I recall, the last hotel on the monorail stop before you get to the Magic Kingdom, but it's also close enough that it's in walking distance. It doesn't feel as out of place as the contemporary to me. And I just, I love the music loop. I love the little Mary Poppins theming on the DVC side, which we'll get into later in the history. I love the ambiance of it. And so Grand Floridian, someday I would love to stay there because I love Grand Flow so much. It's interesting. I want to, as we go on, I want to know what, what stands out like more to you in this history that you kind of like, I guess that someone like you would appreciate. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. As plans for the Grand Floridian started to ramp up, the design team put together a presentation for Michael Eisner and the other Disney executives. To Eisner's surprise and delight, the team had put together two completed and fully furnished model rooms that perfectly evoked the turn of the century theming outlined in the vision document. With the rooms requiring a relatively low amount of both time and money to complete, Eisner approved the project on the spot. With the plan for the Grand Floridian finalized, it came time to build the hotel, and it was built quite quickly compared to most hotels around the time, requiring only three and a half years. The company Intradesign was responsible for the interior design, especially in the main lobby building, and included such elements as marble floors, chandeliers, stained glass domes, and a birdcage elevator. Members of the design team later stated 
that a historically accurate Victorian hotel would have been quite impossible, as it would have been too formal for vacationing guests. In fact, IntraDesign had originally envisioned the hotel as hosting guests in gowns and black ties, something that Disney management immediately pushed back on. The final version of the hotel evoked Victorian themes with its designs and latticework, while still having a light, playful air with its mild color scheme, its focus on animal subjects and its decor, and its beachfront theming and ambiance. The ceramic tile on the ground floor features four muted colors in a checkerboard pattern, and although they may appear to be grouped randomly to guests walking over them when viewed from above, they form larger and more intricate patterns. The opulent chandeliers in the main lobby have fern decorations down the side and are each 16 feet long, weigh one ton, and hang 40 feet above the ground. On June 28, 1988, nearly 17 years after the opening of Walt Disney World, the hotel opened to guests as the Grand Floridian Beach Resort. The name was quite apt due to the hotel's location on Disney's Seven Seas Lagoon. The red gabled roofs and the iconic white walls were immediately visible to guests visiting the Magic Kingdom. The resort opened with 867 rooms spread across six buildings that it still contains today, as the first new resort to open on Walt Disney World property since the overall resort's original opening in 1971. The opening ceremony was a major event. Celebrities Burt Reynolds and Loni Anderson were present along with Michael Eisner and Walt Disney Company president Frank Wells. NASA astronauts, Hollywood celebrities, and other dignitaries were present at the black tie event held that evening. There were a total of 5,000 guests at the formal event, which occurred in the Grand Floridian's lobby and across all five floors of the main building. Champagne, an orchestra performing That's Entertainment, singers, dancers, and even an aquatic ballet in the 275,000-gallon pool were all included. So now that we are kind of diving into the design of the, of the hotel, I'm kind of understanding why this hotel exists. And it's not really specifically for just guests it seems like it seems like this is a place where uh they they looked at important things to happen at mm -hmm. uh important people to stay at and they didn't want to be viewed as a just a family park or just a uh a kids park they wanted to show like hey no we have these high-end resorts don't even worry about going to the parks if you don't want to we have these really nice resorts for you to come and 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 do important things at and and when important people from you know different places come and this is the uh this is america yeah, like if maybe a foreign leader comes and stays at the Grand Floridian because you're at that that heart of uh, of American culture in Disney World, but you're getting that sophisticated feel by the hotel that you're at. You'd never know that you were in a a park where uh, their their theme their uh, their mascot is a giant mouse. Like you'd never know that, and you never know who you're going to be rubbing shoulders with as well with all the other people who could be staying there. You kind of have that atmosphere. Yeah. Although I'm curious to ask you guys, do you think this is the beginning of Disney's real monopolization of all types of vacations, not just theme parks, but looking at high-end vacations as well. Do you think this Ooh. is where it really started, or were there other places that that's that a good question to? for Nick? Yeah, it's like I'm I'm still surprised that it opened in what 1988. I assumed it was open a lot earlier than that, just because of it. it like I said, it, it does look older type resort, but it's that kind of Victorian look to it as well too. 
it doesn't surprise me that they are hosting huge name celebrities and guests and stuff like that because they I know they did that at Disneyland as well too. So yeah, it's it's interesting to learn kind of that history and the backside of it. Um, and it does kind of start that signature experience that Disney is now offering more and more. Um, they continue to keep adding on more of those signature experiences for those high-end clientele mm, that yeah. still want the Disney experience. So you have the signature experiences like Aulani and Disney Cruise Line, Ventures by Disney, National Geographic now, um, where it just keeps um, having those customers and clients come back to Disney and kind of up in their game every single time too. And it's kind of how we started. We all... I feel like many of my clients start out at a value resort like Pop Century or um, All Star. And then next time they're like, we want to spend a little bit more and enjoy the resort. So they go to a moderate resort. And then the next time they bump up to a deluxe resort. So um, it's kind of encouraging people to continue to come back, um, which Disney is very smart with. So. Mm-hmm. There's always something more to explore. Yeah. Yeah. And does this not also scream? Like, hey, this is the hotel for the man or for the wife whose significant other um, does isn't really into Disney. You know what I mean? So it's like this is the resort for them where you're going to Disney World, but you forget you're in Disney World as soon as you leave the park. You get that spa. You get that, you know, that, that, that treatment of of what you're used to maybe at home for some people. Um, so that you, all that walking all day and all the, you know, basketball shorts and flip flops all day, you forget about that. Once you get to the grand Floridian, you're back into your high class, uh, lifestyle. It seems like this is one of those hotels where it's like, uh, you know, get the best of both worlds. If you're into that kind of stuff to me anyway, I feel like the beach club and the yacht club took a lot of inspiration from the grand Floridian. Oh yes, absolutely. After reading all this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I am curious to ask you guys. Yes. So. What would you think about a hotel where you were required to wear tuxedos to partake in any events going on there? See, when I pack for a Disney vacation, I, I, I want my shorts. I want my flip-flops. I want to dress comfortable. It's hot. It's Florida. I don't want to wear a tuxedo in Florida. I barely want to, I want to be in the pool all day. <laughs> so um, when we just went a couple weeks ago, we actually were supposed to have dinner at one of the restaurants, which we might talk about um, in the next history um, called Citrico's. And we realized that you had to have a dress code to get in there. And it was more, it wasn't suit and tie, but I think it was more just like nice pants, slacks and a button down type thing. And we're like, we we don't want to pack that. <laughs> like we're at, we're at Disney. <laughs> Mm-hmm. See, I'm what do you think, Chris? I'm in the same boat as Nick here. I when I go to Disney, I don't want to have to overpack with uh, nicer clothes, even even like, man, I just went on a cruise that was booked by uh, St. Power Vacations. Uh, and I don't even want to pack my suit for the formal night there. No, like, it's yeah. just <laughs> I, I, I not only am I not interested in getting dressed up and going to a fancy dinner. I, I also I, I want to save room for souvenirs, especially when I'm going to Disney. And if you're flying in, you you know you have that. I'm I'm flying Spirit, man. I'm flying flying Spirit and Frontier. They have very <laughs> they have a very strict. Um, what Nick would probably know the limit more than me. But if you go over that, man, you're paying an arm and a leg yeah. <laughs> uh, on top of that. So I'm not bringing formal wear on vacation. And, and times have changed too. I mean, looking back when we were kids, I was born in '84, so seeing at that time frame teachers would always wear essentially kind of suits and ties to school yeah now that's the dress code for teachers have changed um and i just feel like it's hasn't changed with the times on that aspect of 
um, the student ties. And I'm sure there's still people out there that do want to, and they spend the money because they're probably Club 33 members or yeah. um, Disney Vacation Club members, but high ends, um, everything that want that experience as well too, where they can get away and feel like they have a spot for them just completely fine too so there's definitely a market it's another form of the escapism that you get with a disney vacation absolutely yeah. and that that it is and it's kind of cool I, I like that escapism because you can like even if you aren't used to this this lifestyle you can get away to this hotel this resort and live that lifestyle for a week while you're there mm -hmm. and yeah maybe you are a middle class or lower class uh person that it's not used to the fine, you know, fine, you know, clothing and this and that. And then you pretend for a week while you're in Disney. It's kind of what Disney's all about, which is kind of cool. And if you're saving up for that for a long enough time and you want to treat yourself to a week of 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 uh, luxury at the Grand Floridian, maybe that, you know, maybe you are marketing to everybody uh, that's interested in that. I think it's kind of cool that it exists for for reasons like that. It is huge. Like I, yeah. it, it is a huge hotel. Mm -hmm. So I would think that the market's a little smaller. Uh, I don't know, Nick, is there like it's you... gotten bigger because they have the DVC buildings as well now, too. That makes sense. Um, when I stayed there two years ago, I was there invited by Disney for a um, a travel agent conference. So being there, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I was underdressed wearing a mm -hmm. T-shirt or anything like that. You still see people walking around and stuff. You know, I, I didn't feel like I saw people walk around in suits and ties like um, maybe you would think. Right. Um, I don't know if it like said maybe times have changed since the 80s i'm sure if you look at pictures of disney back in the 80s you see people wearing suits and those outfits to the parks right too. which is crazy now if you wear that to the parks they're gonna think that the president's in town and you're part of the uh, secret uh, service right <laughs> <laughs> i mean you always you always see women at epcot wearing high heels to That's do the insane. drinking around the world which is always an insane thing too but um but yeah i mean i feel like times have changed with it there's still that um still that prestige service that you can get at the restaurants um but there's so many options there too there's not not just one restaurant like a lot of other resorts might have um so you can go to that signature restaurant or you can go to one that's a little bit um of a step down as far as the dress code goes so. and hey the thing is if you're going to the resort you have to wear a suit and tie i feel like you don't have that freedom and hey it's fun to be free <laughs> I mean, I, I was in the pool in the speedo, so I was rocking. I was rocking out the the, the Nick look here. So. I would not expect anything less. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's it's a very welcoming place. It's very beautiful. I love um, when you talked about the bird cage. That's one thing that does stand mm -hmm. out is the bird cage elevators um, in the lobby. Mm -hmm. um, the music playing. They have a piano player in there sometimes too. It's just a very um, kind of classical feel in there. Despite becoming the most expensive resort on Walt Disney World property, a title still held by the Grand Floridian today, the hotel quickly became a top choice for guests searching for a more upscale Disney experience. In 1989, the hotel received its first AAA for a Diamond Award, and it has continued to receive this award for the past 28 years. The resort started to receive significant additions in 1992 with the opening of a convention center and business center for companies hosting large gatherings in the Orlando area. Although this was Disney's first convention center, it would later open a larger one at its Coronado Springs Resort. The Disney Wedding Pavilion, where guests can be married while overlooking Cinderella Castle, opened in 1995. Both the convention center and the wedding pavilion were designed by the same company that designed the rest of the hotel. Perhaps the most significant addition occurred in 1997, when the name of the resort was changed to the Grand Floridian Resort and Spa, 
a name it is still known by today. This alteration occurred to coincide with the opening of the luxurious and elegant spa that opened just down the road from the lobby and main room buildings. It is now directly across the way from the 147-room DVC Grand Floridian Villas, which opened in 2013 and contains Mary Poppins-themed rooms today. The villas even include a penguin fountain in the lobby based on the film. In 2011, Disney performed an 18-month renovation of the spa to help modernize it and to justify its $295 cost for an 80-minute experience. In 1998, a seasonal addition to the Grand Floridian was added with the creation of the first life-size gingerbread house on Walt Disney World property. The house has become an annual tradition and includes 1,050 pounds of honey, 800 pounds of flour, and over 400 hours to create. For more information on the gingerbread houses, revisit episode 186 of the Diz His Podcast. A couple things here. I, I think they hit the sweet spot with this convention center um, because that that's what I envision a an uppity place like this hosting. Now, on the opposite side of that, I wonder if there's a limit on what's hosted there. And the reason I'm saying that is because so I have a nicer hotel in my town, right? And they host a lot of conventions there. And one of the conventions is like a horror convention. And would the Grand Floridian wouldn't host like comic conventions and stuff like that there because I would think it's it's not copyright, but it's um you don't want to host like a a place where people are coming to see Universal Monsters at uh, at a Disney World resort. So, I feel like it goes against the brand. Of a exactly. So I feel like they are semi limited on what they can actually host there. I assume like some some sort of business conferences and uh, and obviously anything having to do with the Walt Disney Company would be hosted there. But you know. Obviously, they have to have a, a lot of limited restrictions, I would think. And that'd be kind of interesting to, to look into. I wish I would have looked into that before this. But um, the other thing I wanted to touch on was, OK, so they just finally did a retheming of uh, of some of these rooms and they remodeled it to Mary Poppins themed things. Do both of you think that was a good choice for this? Do you think uh, that keeping... Uh, IP out of the rooms would be better, or do you think there would have been a better choice to retheme these like kind of classy rooms to? I'm kind of on the fence with this, so I would kind of want to hear from you. There's a lot of talk around social media because Contemporary just went through a big refurbishment as well to retheme their rooms. The Incredibles, um, right? To be the Incredibles, right, right. Which we just we stayed there um, two weeks ago, and it's incredible, literally. I think bringing in the IP more into Disney is what people are looking for now, because right. otherwise they could stay at a Holiday Inn down the street for one eighth of the price. Mm-hmm. Um, what's cool is that their theming, it's very, very, very subtle theming. So it's not like Mary Poppins just blew up her entire bag in the room or anything <laughs> right, like that. Right, like, right. <laughs> a lot of stuff, you have to look for it and kind of draw it out of there and kind of see and um, kind of same thing with even Animal Kingdom Lodge is Lion King themed and it's little hints of um, pieces here and there on that. So um, I I do agree and I, I think it's great, especially moving forward and bringing in the Disney fanatics that we all have become now. Right, yeah. Um, to bring those IP. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't stay there. I want to stay at a resort because of the theming. Um, and to me, their theming before wasn't anything to write home about. Yeah, I got to agree with Nick here. I mean, I also experienced the Incredibles room at 
contemporary, and I loved the little nods and the little Easter eggs, and yet it doesn't get in the way of the contemporary experience. I still feel like I'm staying at the contemporary, and although I haven't stayed in the Mary Poppins rooms at the Grand Floridian, I agree entirely with Nick. It, I feel like you get that little hint there, you get the Easter eggs. If you're a fan of the movies, then it might even be more likely to drive you to stay at the resort, but you don't need to know the movies to stay at the resort, and you can still get the Grand Floridian experience even if you're not a Mary Poppins fan. Like uh, Classic Ryan, who was on last week and has a poor taste in apparently classic films. <laughs> well, and, um, and you spoke of it. So the Mary Poppins theme started in the DVC villas. Um, they recently, over just the past two years, started retheming the regular um, resort rooms to be those themes. And I think they're completed or almost completed. Um, they're still doing some retheming in the um, main lobby. They're going to redo that, some stuff in there as well, too. So. so let me ask this. If they couldn't do Mary Poppins for whatever reason, what would you guys re-theme the Grand Floridian room to? That's tough. That is really, yeah. really tough. It, uh, it's the perfect because it's a timeless classic um, for Disney. I don't think you could do anything new in there. If so, I, I would love to hear some uh, some opinions from our Patreon members. But I I think the go to for me would just be subliminal like Fab Five type stuff, little Mickey, you know, hidden Mickey's in the rooms and stuff like that. I don't know of any other movie that would be um, that would like, fit in. Kingdom Hearts was one that uh, that King Mike, but King Mike, I think it's a little biased. <laughs> I'm also seeing um, from Remy of Remy's Roundtable suggesting Mickey and Minnie casual type style, perhaps Brave in the chat here. Yeah, I, I think um, I think maybe like the early early century Mickey shorts uh, would be kind of cool too. Just kind of like because you're kind of uh, channeling that like Titanic esque. Yeah, if you did more of the black and white yeah, portions of it, it's yeah. like Steamboat Willie type Mickey and Minnie. Um, I could see something like that, but yeah, definitely something more dated. Yeah, Adam says a Walt themed. Uh, Remy says Oswald. Yeah, I, yeah, those are. I solid. would suggest something that is we'll talk a little bit about in our next history paragraph. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, I feel uh, fits very well with that resort as yeah, well. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Bit. I could see that for sure. Um, before we get on to the next, uh, Remy, one of our Patreon members, says that the expos there are usually for weddings. Um, I, I, I did look up, um, and if you I, want to book a Disney wedding, please contact Nick <laughs> at sandpipervacations.com. I would love to help put you in the Grand Floridian, get you married right in front of the castle. It's, <laughs> I mean, I walked, walking by their wedding pavilion is just absolutely stunning. It's very, very top notch, very high end, um, and just gorgeous scenes. So. I would, yeah, the, one of the stipulations is you have to invite us there as well yes, yeah. to, the, to the wedding. <laughs> um, I did look up events happening at the Grand Floridian just really quickly. And what I found in the immediate future, a lot of medical events, um, like having to do with uh, medical training and you know more, stuff like that. Probably more the like CPR. <laughs> yeah, like like you go to Grand Floridian to learn CPR. <laughs> it's just like a thing people do. <laughs> Can you imagine? I got my my CPR certification. <laughs> I mean, uh, I picture the clientele to be doctors, exactly, and attorneys, people mm. that higher end well, income. One of the conferences was for heart surgery, so <laughs> yeah. So that answers that. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Just, so you mentioned this is the most expensive Disney resort. I'm I'm interested to see what the pricing is or was in 1988. 
Um, I don't know if we found that information or not, but pulling it up right now, just looking at a week in February for one night at Grand Floridian, the cheapest room is $857 per night. And that's just per night for the cheapest room. Um, I'll try to pull up some other room prices here in a minute too, but if you stay somewhere like all-star resorts or, or anything like that, those are usually around 180 bucks a night or so. Um, so definitely a huge, huge price difference. Um, okay. Here's your answer to this was the New York times in 1992, uh, grand Floridian beach resort opened in 1988, 900 rooms rates. And this was in 1992 from $200 to $400 a night. And that was in 1992. That's crazy. That is crazy. The the price increase. That's oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, yeah. So it it um yeah, the Grand Floridian was that. I I saw eighty eighty dollars a night, eighty five dollars a night. That was uh all throughout the property in the um in 1992. Yeah, if you want to, and there's basically a couple different room types. So basic room where you don't really have any view. That was the cheapest. If you want a theme park view. You're looking at basically eleven hundred dollars per night on oh my that one. God. And then even more if you want to stay in the DVC villas, they have one bedroom, one bedroom villa, two bedroom villas as well too. Um, I don't have that price in here, unfortunately. They have some higher end suites as well in the club level, so there's there's some money in there. <laughs> all right, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna cut all the us being discussed about the prices, and I'm gonna say, Nick, that sounds like a really good price. Um, anyone who's interested should just go <laughs> over to sandpipervacations.com and book with you right away before these rates go up. And be sure to tell uh, Nick that Sandpipe or that Diz has sent you, or you can just tell Nick that Nick sent you. I'm on here, and they just released a sale right now, so you can get up to twenty five percent off your room, which that's a lot of all, money for. That's a lot of money for Grand Floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like a couple park tickets. <laughs> when one approaches the Grand Floridian, the monorail station in front of the main building that includes the same white walls and red gabled roof as the resort is immediately noticeable. The opulent lobby includes rugs with looping, colorful designs, while the white walls help to accentuate the red and golden furniture and furnishings throughout. Models of such beachfront attractions as Ferris wheels and marble floors that include designs of Disney characters great guests. The four shopping options in this main building include M Mouse Mercantile, which includes souvenirs, Magical Extras at Base and White, which includes soaps, Sandy Cove Gifts and Sundries, which includes theme park necessities, and Curiouser Clothiers, which includes designer clothes and is named after a quote from 1951's Alice in Wonderland. The main building includes six restaurants. Gasparilla Island Grill is a quick service option themed around the turn of the century boardwalks. Citricos is a Mediterranean-inspired fine dining experience currently themed to Mary Poppins Returns. The Grand Floridian Cafe is a lower-end sit-down restaurant located in a rose garden. The Enchanted Rose is a Beauty and the Beast-themed bar. 1900 Park Fair is a character dining option including characters from Mary Poppins, Alice in Wonderland, and Winnie the Pooh, but is unfortunately temporarily closed at this time. Victoria and Albert's is one of the most upper-scale dining options at Walt Disney World, and has been a triple A five diamond award winner for 17 years, as well as a Forbes four diamond award winner. It includes a new American menu and truly brings the original black tie ideas of the Grand Floridian to life with its $500 price for 10 courses and its no children policy. Its lavishness is only matched by Narcoosie's, a restaurant at the Grand Floridian in a separate building located on the water of the Seven Seas Lagoon 
and featuring an expensive seafood menu. The hotel has two pool bars located by its three pools, separately themed around the beach, a Victorian courtyard, and Alice in Wonderland. The six buildings with hotel rooms are named after such Floridian islands as Sago Key, Sugarloaf Key, Conch Key, Boca Chica, and Big Pine Key. These buildings overlook the Seven Seas Lagoon, and the first three even have boat docks in front of them. For more information about Narcoosies, check out episode 60 of the Diz His podcast. Now I have a question for you guys. Yeah, let's hear have it. Have you ever checked out the 1900 Park Fair character dining restaurant at Grand Floridian? No. No. So as a kid, I was super into Mary Poppins, and my parents found that this was a character dining option. So little eight-year-old me rides on the monorail. I get to ride in like the front section back when that was allowed and like <laughs> allowed a kid to go back there. And then for whatever reason, I vividly remember meeting Mary Poppins and Bert and the Alice in Wonderland and Winnie the Pooh characters. So for me, Grand Floridian will always be special, not just because of the theming, but because I've got that memory from one of my earliest Disney trips there. I did not know this a character uh, dining restaurant. I'm looking at pictures now. I've never very cool. honestly booked any clients there before COVID or anything. I know it's been shut down since then, but I, I'm not as familiar with that one. Um, something I want to point out to people too, a lot of my clients don't realize that you can and are allowed to go to the resorts, even if you're not staying there, to go enjoy the dinner at the resorts or go to the bars at the resorts, hop on the monorail and visit them. Highly recommend it. There's a great, we did a monorail bar crawl a couple weeks ago. We didn't make it to the Grand Floridian. Um, <laughs> we drank a little too much at Polynesian. Um, but the Enchanted Rose is beautifully themed great cocktails it is higher end cocktails but they are phenomenal so highly recommend that um citricos i was able to enjoy as well too um during my trip there we did have a private um luncheon where they weren't open so we had the opportunity to that that's really neat i um first of all great tip on you don't have to be staying at the hotels to be able to uh go to their diner dining uh areas mm -hmm. because i i think like there's a large amount of people who don't know that yeah and um so when i went down last year to visit some of the people um uh like scott from the no new friends podcast and and mary and them and Alex too. We we all went to Boma at um Animal Kingdom Lodge. My and we didn't, no, but nobody stayed there because you know we all yeah. everyone's in the area. But it was amazing. It was so cool, and it, it's nice to be able to go to these um, resort restaurants to be able to get a, like a little bit of you know, no pun intended taste of these places because it's very expensive to stay mm -hmm. here, and instead of having mm -hmm. to pay you know seven eight upwards of a thousand dollars a night at the grand floridian just go to the restaurants and get a you yeah. know, experience it that way first of all yeah. nothing better than some good food am i right so like get some of this fine dining without having to stay there in, in my opinion i love that instead of spending your money on the hotel spend your money on the restaurant yeah exactly 100 percent. i don't know if i'd be spending the 500 dollars for the 10 course meal all right but in a perfect I like world that's a I once would. in a lifetime yeah thing. that's definitely a perfect date night obviously there's no kids allowed so that's <laughs> right, that's, a right. that's a challenging part as well too when you have families going yeah. it's like um and disney is capitalizing on those adults like us that like to go to disney without the kids even too so uh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a smart idea and i if anybody wants to donate to my GoFundMe for trying out that <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> Link will be in the bio. Yeah. Um, it sounds amazing. 10 course meal. It sounds like awesome. Um, okay. So here's my question after hearing uh, about, we, we just learned all about the Grand Floridian. It's history. 
what it's all about, who it's care to. All right. So you just won an all expenses paid trip ticket. We'll just say ticket from from the Sandpiper Vacations lottery. <laughs> and Sandpiper Vacations is sponsoring you to stay one week at any hotel on Disney World property. What are you guys picking? Is it the Grand Floridian, the most expensive? Or is it the most immersive? Is it the most Disney themed? What are your answers? RJ, you go first. I mean, I would have to go with the Grand Floridian. First off, going to get my money's worth there. Right. Or I guess my lack of money's worth there. Secondly, I feel like it's very much a once-in-a-lifetime experience unless you are, like, super uber wealthy. That's a good point. And third of all, I mean, you're getting an experience that I feel like does a really good job immersing you in an atmosphere while still being so close to an amusement park. Like, I love, yeah, love, yeah, love Port true. Orleans. Port Orleans is not a walk away from an amusement park like the grand floridian is that, so i've got to go grand that, that. that's a great answer now nick what's your answer what if you if you so uh, this, this is kind of a bad question for you because you'd be uh, paying for it but because uh, yeah. <laughs> you're sponsoring the giveaway you just won the diz his giveaway we're giving away seven Perfect. seven nights oh, okay. at, a, at a free resort thank you diz his. i appreciate it what are you um, picking thanks uh, thanks alex <laughs> um i don't know my my it changes every time that I want to go to Disney, depending mm -hmm. on what I want to get out of it. Um, for me, Riviera Resort is oh, probably okay. my new favorite one. That's the um, that's the newest resort, it's, correct? It's the newest resort. It's more compact, a lot smaller, but it it just feels more quaint um, and, and not as grand as the Grand Floridian. So I like I, I like the smaller portion of it um the vibe of it's just more kind of my vibe i guess um fun music amazing smells which i love that disney puts smells in the hotels too does grand oh, floridian yeah. have a smell it's got a certain lobby smell i think money <laughs> money yeah money <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean some of these resorts they pipe in a certain scent into these resorts but um i don't yeah i don't remember i don't remember grand floridian smelling like anything I think, actually, I think you can find the candle at uh, Three Cheeky Chips uh, online. I believe there is a Grand Floridian I think there smell. is, too. I think it's just like... It um, might be like vanilla and lavender is I think it's what I picture it maybe. Debt. <laughs> yeah. Credit card debt. <laughs> debt. <laughs> so, uh, my, my answer to this question, you know, I thought it was going to be Polynesian, but... Uh, and Polynesian's definitely up there, along with Animal Kingdom Lodge. This is like kind of like immersive uh, hotels. But if I didn't have to pay for this, I think I'd go out on a limb one day and probably pay for one of those hotels. When I get something for free, I like to go for the thing that I would never want to pay for, but I know that I would enjoy. Kind of like the, the perfect gift around the holidays, something that you'd never want to buy yourself. You're like, man, I'm so glad you bought this for me. I'm going to go with the uh, Disney's, uh, I think it's called the Boardwalk. Ooh, hmm. good choice. Uh, the yeah boardwalk uh because it's a taste of home for me because it's modeled after you know my summers down the shore um and i love there's there, like there's nothing better than than being on the boardwalk down the shore in the summer you get the breeze you get the you get the foods the smells of the food you get it's like a it's like a yeah it's just a, you know a, you go out and you can do it yeah it, yeah it creates a memory um it pops up those memories exactly so, it's like a double yeah. memory because you're making memories based off of a memory you had when you were when you were younger mm -hmm. now i know my wife doesn't agree with this answer because she's like i would never spend the money uh down there when we could just go an hour down you know down the shore and go there but 
to me, if I got this thing for free, I, I just think it would be it's nostalgic in many different ways. And you feel like a kid. And it's just one of those places where you go at it at, at nighttime and just like uh, you get back from the parks and you go and you grab an ice cream or you go and you grab a slice of pizza. And I lo- I'm very curious if uh, if Mike, our Patreon member, has uh, one of the same answers as me, because we live at like 20 minutes from each other and we've spent many summers, which he actually has a house down the shore. So I'm, I'm curious <laughs> if he would like to like if he, what his answer would be and if he, if he shares a similar opinion uh, as, as I do. And he said um, he said the boardwalk is awesome. It's it's modeled off the boardwalk, especially given me and Chris is living about an hour from Atlantic City. Exactly. So it's it, it feels like home to me. And I, I don't know. Anytime. So- I go on vacation. There's like a little taste of home. Like if there's like a cheesesteak place or something, I don't know why, but I always shoot for those places, even though I can get them at home. And I guess it's just that nostalgia for me. I don't know. I want to change my answer. Um, cause I forgot, <laughs> I forgot about this one. Cause it's not an official oh, resort. I want to stay inside the castle. Oh, oh good answer. Yeah. Good answer. There, there was a TikTok I watched and this girl <laughs> somehow she stayed inside the castle and they ordered her like Donata's or Domino's pizza or something like that and got it delivered to the castle. And I'm like, okay, I, would do, I would do that. Definitely. So. All right. You win. You win this yeah. question. Uh, Nick. That was that beats all of ours. <laughs> Or I'll, or I'll sleep in Walt's office or something. I don't yeah, know. Hey, but, hey yeah. Oh, the castle. That's yeah, that's yeah. Disneyland. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I didn't think of that. Yeah, and, I, and I know you answer. talked about the the walkway. Um, so the Grand Floridian is great because of the monorail. You are the next stop to the Magic Kingdom. The walkway is a great um, asset as well. I actually did the walk. It's a very nice walk. You're walking by the lake and everything too. So um, it's it's an awesome resort for the closeness to the Magic Kingdom and everything like that. Um, but for me personally, it's not my go to. But we'll see. So before we end this. Uh, this history on on the grand floridian um we just had did have some answers in the chat i want to read so uh mike doubles down castle his answer um ryan says the villas at the poly that's a great answer and mm, adam adam answer. says wilderness lodge all really really good, good answers answer. yeah. you're, you're getting good value. Hey, nobody said all-star sports so we're all <laughs> <in today. laughs> quick fire quick facts let's go Although many people attribute the Grand Floridian concepts to Disney CEO Michael Eisner, plans were in fact already in the works when he took over the position. While building the resort, the architectural firm Wimberly, Weissnund, Allison, Tong, and Gu was part of the joint team that designed the hotel. They had previously created designs for the Asian-themed resort, as well as hotels in Disneyland Paris, Tokyo Disneyland, and Hong Kong Disneyland. In 1988, the Beach Boys performed their music video for their song Kokomo as the Grand Floridian. The original intention was for there to be a resort around the Magic Kingdom, representing each of its lands, with the Polynesian representing Adventureland, the Contemporary echoing Tomorrowland, and Wilderness Lodge evoking Frontierland. The Grand Floridian has clear thematic links to Main Street USA. While staying at the Disneyland Paris Hotel, author Ray Bradbury mentioned to a man that although the Parisian hotel was nice, he was familiar with a much nicer hotel, namely the Grand Floridian. Later, Bradbury learned that the man he was talking to had in fact designed that Disneyland Paris hotel that he was staying at. We here at DizHiz think that the Grand Floridian is a beautiful and luxurious resort on Walt Disney World property, and its proximity to the Magic Kingdom only helps to bolster its reputation as a top-tier hotel option. Although expensive, 
The beautiful architecture, immersive setting, and spectacular views make it a must-see while traveling to Disney World, even if staying elsewhere. Well, next week on Dis His, we're going to be doing a history of someone that I guarantee you've heard if you're a fan of Pixar movies. That's right. Next week on Dis His is the history of John Ratzenberger. If you're not sure who he is by name, you definitely know the mailman from Cheers. And if you don't know that, because that's technically not Disney, then you have absolutely heard his voice in the 22 Pixar movies that he's voiced characters in. I'm really excited to hear that because I, I hear the name all the time. I'm very excited to hear his his. See what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're interested in seeing more of the show, you can. For as little as $2 a month, you can join our Patreon. You can write for our blog if you're a Patreon member. You're in time of the future giveaways and events. It, it's just for $2 a month. Less than a cup of coffee. You can be a part of the Goof Troop. Be a part of the show. That's uh, located in our link tree in all of our bios or in all of our descriptions of the episodes. You just go there, head over to our link tree, and you'll be able to see how to do that. Very easy. Uh, don't don't be too afraid if you're like, oh, I don't know technology. No, it's very easy, and we'll walk you through it. You can reach out to us at dishispotatgmail.com if you don't know what you're doing. We will walk you through it. We'd love to have you. And please don't forget to follow us on social media. RJ has been working very hard on uh, on posting more and being more consistent, and, and he's been coming up with these great, great posts. Now, speaking of RJ, RJ, congratulations on your first ever hosted episode of the show. Oh, thank you. Uh, you did an amazing job. Thank you. I, I was honored when you asked me to host, Chris. So thank you so much. Yeah. You did an amazing job. Thank you so much. You, you know, we, we asked you to host two seconds before you hosted because uh, Alex's technical difficulties. You did an amazing job. And uh, speaking on behalf of me and all the listeners, we can't wait to hear more from you. So uh, if you liked today's episode, you can expect way more from RJ. He's going to be here on a, uh, you know, regular basis we'll be hearing from him monthly bi-weekly whatever it is he you will be hearing a lot more from rj and if you if you want to reach out to him please just follow us on instagram and you can comment on all the posts he runs all that so you can uh, thank him by interacting on our posts on instagram but again from the bottom of my heart thank you for filling in tonight you did an amazing job thank you so much oh well, thank you chris that's the his on the grand floridian i'm rj i'm chris and I'm Nick from Sandpiper Vacations. Thanks for listening and have a magical week.